You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. And not only the person of Satan and the devil, the wicked one, but the world that he controlled. The Bible just is very clear about this. He is the God of this world. He is the prince of this world. And he is in control. So you want to overcome the wicked one? You want to overcome the the prince of the power of the air who now works and those who are disobedient unto God? His world, okay? Study the word. Become a student of the word of God. God. Who rules this world? Let's start with a few clues. The world is filled with sin. Most people care more about their needs than the poor, and things are only getting worse. As Pastor Mike explains in today's study, the world is ruled by Satan. He is in control. He is in control and directs the actions of many people. How do we overcome this world and the wicked people in it? It's pretty simple. Study the Word of God. Discover the promises and truths the Lord has given to His children. Doing so will make you stronger. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 as he begins his message, Redeeming the Time. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And how important it is that we discern what the will of the Lord is for every one of us. So once again, this message, the title is Redeeming the Time, or if you like, Making Wise Use of Our Time. Okay, let me begin with something that I believe will just kind of set the stage for this message. I believe that our lives are to be productive, that our lives are to be fruitful, that they are to be progressively growing and changing and also influencing. And God wants us to know these things. God wants us to use our time wisely as it relates to all of these different area, especially as a Christian living in these last days. Now, you see, is not the time to be complacent. It's not the time to be idle. It's time to press on, to deal with sin in our lives, and to focus upon those things that are most pleasing unto the Lord. Now, with that said, I think that There are specifically two areas of our lives that God is interested in as it relates to using our time 
and energy to the fullest potential. And there are others, but the, uh, if I was putting together a list, these would be the top two uh, in that list, in priority. The first thing that I think God is most interested in is our relationship and our fellowship with him. In 1 Corinthians, in chapter 1 and verse 9, we are told that God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And listen, let me tell you something. He wants us to cultivate that relationship. But what a wonderful thing to, to realize. You know, I mean, think about it. God, the creator of the universe, wants us to have fellowship and communion with him, to have this personal, intimate relationship with him. How wonderful is that? Is there anything more wonderful than that? In fact, that's the very reason why we were created, to know him, to have fellowship and communion with him. But then again, remember, it's a relationship, and it takes two people to have a relationship. It can't be just simply one-sided. God will take care of his end of this transaction, but then there is our end of this transaction as well. We have to give ourselves to that, right? Be open to that work. Do everything that we can do, must do, to cultivate our relationship with the Lord. So listen, we should be closer to God today than ever before. Why? Why is that so? Well, think about it. The days in which we live have become more evil and darker than ever before. And in and of itself, that's enough reason to want to be closer to our Lord. But then that also means that we're also closer for Christ coming back for his church via the rapture of the church, right? So those are just some of the incentives whereby we ought to give ourselves to this occupation that is cultivating our relationship and our fellowship with God. Now, I, I want to give you an example of just the opposite. For example, when Paul, in the book of Hebrews, was writing to the church there in Jerusalem, the problem was that they weren't going forward. They were rather going backwards. They weren't really doing as much as they could have possibly done to cultivate their relationship with the Lord. And so Paul, writing to the church in Jerusalem, Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse 12, exhorts them. He says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, in other words, have moved on, from babes in Christ, right? You know, they should have been strong in their knowledge of the word of God. Whereas now they grew in their relationship, whereby now they were, could teach other people, disciple other people. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, but here was the problem. You need someone to teach you. Again, the first principles of the oracles of God. You know, the basic ABCs of Christianity. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. What's the idea? There? What's the picture there? We're thinking of the babes in Christ. They remain babes. Babes drink milk. They don't eat meat, right? And uh, they remained in an infantile sort of a condition. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. So that was the problem. They remained babies. Their spiritual growth had been stunted. 
And listen, in my experience in the ministry, for as many years as I've been involved in full-time ministry, this is so very, very true. You know, people have failed to go on in their walk in their relationship with the Lord. Uh, They have failed to go on into maturity in their walk in their relationship with the Lord. And listen, I understand that uh, there are different degrees and experiences that each one of us, you know, goes through. And, uh, you know, what God is doing in one person's life is not exactly what God is doing in another person's life. But nevertheless, the one th- the common denominator is growth. Isn't that the hallmark of Christianity? To grow, to go on to maturity? It, there'll never come a time when we actually have arrived or have that wired, right? Because it's an ever growing and changing experience. Whether you're a new Christian, a babe in Christ, where you've just recently given your life to Christ, or you're a senior pastor of the church. You know, I'm amazed at how much more there is to learn in my Christian experience. I mean, every time I open up the Word, every time that I prepare a message to deliver to the church, God shows me all kinds of new things. And like, for example, this book of Ephesians, I don't know how many times I've, I've actually taught this book of the Bible several times over. And every time I study and prepare these different messages, God shows me something new. Not only to pass along to you, but something that God speaks to my heart. uh, And he personalizes it. You know, something that I can take and and use. And, and, uh, you know, it's to my own advantage that I learn these things. And uh, I'm just absolutely amazed. There's so much more to learn and grow in our walk and our experience Uh, with the the, uh, Lord. So their spiritual growth was stunted. That was the problem there in the church in Jerusalem. Now, a few observations. They remained babes in Christ, as I've already mentioned. Now, a few observations concerning babies. Here are some of the pitfalls of remaining a spiritual babe in Christ. They're always in danger of an accident. There's always tragedy Uh, waiting around the corner, ready to strike. You know, I think of my grandkids, for example, uh, my my own children as they were growing up. They were always falling down. They were always running into walls, bouncing off of the walls, right? Bumping into things, always injuring themselves. And so it is with those who remain spiritual babes in Christ. There's always some kind of an accident. There's always some kind of a tragedy, They're always falling down. They're always bumping into things. They're always injuring themselves. Why? Because of a lack of knowledge, applying themselves, going on to full maturity. Notice what it says there in Hebrews chapter 6, there in verse 1. Paul exhorts them, let us go on to full maturity. So I guess we ought to talk about how to go on to full maturity. Well, the first step is, and if you're taking notes, write this down. There are three things that I want to bring to your attention that lends itself to our going on to full maturity. The first of which is simply yielding to the power and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I think the title of my message was Walking in the Spirit. We talked about what that looks like, what that entails. But the first step to going on to full maturity is yielding to the power and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, I really and fully developed that idea in that prior message, so get a copy of it. 
But Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, we are told there, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now consider that saying for a moment. The underlying secret there is simply realizing that we have no strength in ourselves. Isn't that amazing? That, and, and that's the, the key and the secret to actually receiving the strength of God. It's to first of all acknowledge and recognize the fact that we have no strength in ourselves, but rather we receive strength and power through the Holy Spirit. Walking in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. Notice there in verse 17, which was a part of that text. Walking in the Spirit of God, filled with the Spirit, which literally means, and we talked about that in that uh, service, in that message, under his control and influence. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. You know, some people are a little confused about that. And uh, when they use that terminology, filled with the Spirit, we think of someone who exercises the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And yes, that's true, but that's only a part of that experience. You see, someone who is walking in the Spirit, is filled with the Spirit, is someone who is under the control and influence of the Spirit of God. That's open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you. And uh, it's a matter of what you're going to do with those promptings. You know, you can either be led of the Spirit or dragged by the Spirit. You know, it's really up to you. It's, it's just a matter of choice. Are we open to those promptings? So this is the, the first thing that we need to give ourselves to as it relates to going on into full maturity. That is yielding to the power and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if we, we fully comprehend or understand what's involved with that whole process. But he does want to take control of our lives. He does want to speak. He does want to lead. But we need to yield ourselves. We need to be open. God will speak to you through the Holy Spirit. if you give him the, And particularly, and that brings us to our second point here. Secondly, one of the ways that we respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit is through the teaching of the Word. Right? Remember, I had mentioned in my opening statement or in my prayer that we want to give ourselves and open ourselves up to the great teacher who is the Holy Spirit. Right? He is the great teacher. And Jesus said, when the Spirit comes, he shall teach you all things. He will lead you into all truth. So the second thing that we need to do that lends itself to our going on to full maturity is we need to be cleansed, washed, directed through the precious Word of God. We need to be people of the Word. Let me give you a cross-reference. Actually, a couple of cross-references for this. In John's Gospel in chapter 17, in verse 17, Jesus prayed unto the Father, and he said, sanctify them. And so I, let me just stop there for a moment. The word sanctify literally means to set apart. Now, this is the effect that the study of the Word of God will have upon that person, if he gives himself to it, it'll set you apart for God. God reasons with us. We have a heart and a mind that responds to God's Word. God has created us in that way, with a heart and a mind that responds to the Word. So he, he prayed, 
John 17, 17, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is true. So think about that. The more we give ourselves to the study and the teaching of the word of God, God uses that to speak to us, the Holy Spirit, right? And we're sanctified. We are set apart for God. For what purpose? For whatever God has called us to, right? Fellowship, number one, communion with him. And then we'll talk about some other things that God wants, expects of us as his kids. But I want to give you another cross-reference that stresses, I think, and emphasizes the importance of being a student of the Word of God and the effect that it has upon us. In 1 John chapter 2, in verse 14, in the latter part of it, he's different. Here, John, the beloved apostle, is addressing different classes of Christian. And and it's true. I mean, there are different classes of, of Christian. If you think about it, in their experience, that is, there's only one type of Christian, obviously, but there's the babes in Christ, as we've already mentioned, And then there are those young men and women in Christ. And then there are those men and women who have gone on to maturity, who are the older men and women, who should be then, in turn, teaching the younger men and women. So there are three different categories, three different classes, if you will, just to make this point of Christians and their experience. Now, with that said, notice, he says, I have written to you young men... Okay, so this is who he's writing to now. Young men, because you are strong. Okay, so these young men are strong. So he's commending them, right? How did they become strong? And the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. So take note of that, right? If you are living a weak and defeated life as a Christian, that's sort of like an oxymoron, though, I mean, none of us as Christians should be living a weak and defeated life, right? It can be, I guarantee, directly traced right back to the lack of the study and the knowledge of the Word of God. You study the Word of God, it'll transform your life. Truly. Remember what Paul said faith in Romans. He said, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So let me say it again. I have written to you, young men, and this would include young women as well, because you are strong. How did they get strong? And the word of God abides in you, and thus you have overcome the wicked one. And not only the person of Satan and the devil, the wicked one, but the world that he controlled. The Bible just is very clear about this. He is the God of this world. He is the prince of this world. And he is in control. So you want to overcome the wicked one? You want to overcome the the prince of the power of the air who now works and those who are disobedient unto God? His world, okay? Study the word. Become a student of the word of God. And so these are the ways that we become stronger. And then thirdly, if we want to go on to maturity in our relationship with the the Lord, if we want to cultivate our relationship with him, we need to be men and women of prayer. We need to be seeking God through prayer for strength and victory. Listen, gang, you know battles are won on our knees through prayer. Before, Think about this. Before a blow is ever struck, the enemy's hands are tied. 
Why? Because we've prayed. Listen, you take control of whatever situation you're facing when you fall on your knees and you pray unto the Lord. You know, and, and people are amazed by this. I, I don't think we fully understand. I certainly don't. And I've been walking with the Lord probably longer than most of you that are here this morning. I, I don't fully understand or comprehend the power that there is in prayer. This, this is something that I'm discovering and rediscovering, you know, every year that passes by. You know, the importance of prayer, the power of prayer. I find it kind of interesting and curious that when I'm in counseling with someone, you know, they're rehearsing some of the things that are going on in their lives. They've come in for counseling and for help. And, and sometimes there's really nothing that I can do other than offer, I'll pray for you. And they look at me like, that's all? That's all you're going to do is pray for me? Isn't there anything more that you can do? And, and they're just kind of like blown away that the only help that I've offered is to pray for them. Listen, is there anything more beneficial that we can offer a person than to intercede on their behalf in prayer? Think about that. The power that there is in prayer. Listen, you take control over whatever situation, whatever the circumstance, the difficulty, the struggle, your problems are when you fall to your knees and you pray. Listen, the men and women of the Bible were men and women of prayer. And before they ventured out, they sought the Lord. When faced with persecution, when faced with danger, they sought the Lord, and we need to follow in their footsteps. We need to follow after their example. And so, gang, listen, don't take your eyes off of the Lord. Be single-minded and determined. So those are just some of the ways that we can cultivate our walk and our relationship with the Lord. What was it? Being led by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, be men and women of the Word, and be men and women of prayer. Now, the other way we can use our time wisely, remember the title of this message, Redeeming the Time, or Using Our Time Wisely. This is the second thing that I want to draw your attention to is in our using fully every opportunity to reach and influence others for God's kingdom. So again, if I was putting together a list, this would be number two in that list, in priority. That is to reach a hopeless, hurting world. Now, what's the method in all of this? Oh man, here he goes again. Pastor's going to lay this trip on me. You know, evangelism, evangelism, evangelism. Oh boy. Listen, what's the method? What's the secret to success in this particular area of endeavor? And it's simply plugging in to God's program. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house. As we study the book of Ephesians together, we pray it has encouraged you to restore relationships. Unity can be such a hard task to accomplish, but as the Apostle Paul wrote, unity binds us together in Jesus. 
If there's someone in your life that you need to reach out to today, know we are praying both for you and for them. You've been listening to In My Father's House, and we're so glad you tuned in to hear today's teaching with Pastor Mike. To listen to today's message again, or to hear more from Pastor Mike, just search for In My Father's House on your favorite podcast platform, and be sure to subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram to keep up to date on our day-to-day happenings. If you're looking for a place in Midtown Manhattan to come together with others and worship Jesus, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll be able to reserve your seat and get directions to our easy access point at harvestnyc.org. We're also streaming each Sunday and Thursday evening so everyone has the chance to attend, even if you can't make it in person. If this broadcast has been an encouragement to you, would you consider supporting us? We'd love your prayerful support. And if you feel led, we're also thankful for any financial support. In fact, you can donate securely on our website, harvestnyc.org. Again, that was harvestnyc.org. Thanks for your support, and thanks for listening in today. Join us again next time for more, right here on In My Father's House.